Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Spartan Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Thin. Today I'm joined by David Klein of SpartanHoops.com. David, thanks for joining us today. How you doing? Good, man. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. Figured out uh, we turned to one of the resident MSU basketball experts today as we head into March Madness here this week. What we're going to go ahead and do today is we're going to run through the entire NCAA tournament bracket, kind of give you some of our picks and and what we're kind of thinking is going to happen in this year's tournament. In no way, shape, or form is this financial advice. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So a good disclaimer. (laughs) You uh, may be better off investing in Blockbuster stock. We're not entirely sure how this is going to go, but... We're going to go ahead and give it our best shot. David, you ready to get started here? Let's do it. I'm excited. All right. So we'll start here up in the West region. I'm assuming we're both taking Gonzaga there. So it should we, be an easy pick. Yeah. Yeah. So what are you thinking for this Oklahoma-Missouri 8-9 matchup? That's a great question. I've seen Oklahoma play a few times this year, and I came away reasonably impressed But they had a really tough stretch to end the year. They lost their four last regular season games. Uh, They beat Iowa State, who was kind of the punching bag for the Big 12. And then they lost to Kansas uh, in the Big 10, or I'm sorry, the Big 12 tournament. I'm probably rolling Missouri here, um, but it's one of those situations where, you know, both teams have had struggle spots during the stretch of the season. Um, it, it's, you know, like it's an eight, nine matchup. So yeah. I don't, I don't know what the spread ends up being, but I'm assuming it's going to be pretty close. I'm going to yeah. win Missouri. What about you? Yeah. I also have Missouri and the biggest sticking factor for me was like you said, Oklahoma lost their last four regular season games to close the year. Uh, both of these teams have high ceilings. Uh, for example, they both have wins against Alabama, but at the end of the day, I'm going to have to go with whoever has the hotter hand right now, since, like you said, it's a very close matchup. And that's obviously Missouri heading into this part of the season. Uh, next up, we have Creighton and UC Santa Barbara. This is one of those 5-12 games that I guess typical formula would suggest that you pick one of these upsets here in, in a bracket in a usual year. Um, I guess I'll go ahead first. And so this is kind of a thing where – Creighton didn't look that good in the Big East tournament, but then you kind of wonder, is that like a one-off thing? Are they going to get it sorted out here? Obviously, there was that whole thing with their coach being suspended. And then at the same time, UC Santa Barbara has two kids that are high major transfers. Uh, One of them, I believe, was the Big West Player of the Year this past year. They're they're kind of built in a way where they can make them like a slight run in March. Um, I kind of have UC Santa Barbara here advancing. What, What are you thinking with this game? I don't think it's a bad pick. You got to wonder for Creighton, like, what is that locker room like? Yeah. Like he returns, they kind of lay an egg and, you know, basically allow Georgetown to get into the tournament. I, you know, I don't know. I think I would still choose Creighton. I think coming into the season, I was kind of interested to see how they did just, you know, with the shooting that they had and just the style of play. Um, I can't say that I've watched a ton of UC Santa Barbara this year. So this one, again, is a little bit one of those yeah. five twelves. You pick the sexy, you know, upset in this case. I, I'm going to lean Creighton on this. Just I trust generally yeah. speaking, um, you know, the power conference in this. I think that Creighton showed that they can beat a lot of good teams this year. I just, I, you know, a 
tough stretch down the way and the whole coaching thing was a little bit awkward. So yeah, I'm still lean Creighton, but if they get upset, I guess don't color me surprised on that. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then the next game is the four seed Virginia against the 13 seed Ohio. Uh, I have Virginia here, but I will say that this is a game that could be closer than some people are expecting. Virginia is still, I believe, quarantining, and they might be quarantining for another couple of days, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they're not getting any practices in right now while Ohio is, and then obviously Ohio has Jason Preston. Um, One-star player probably isn't going to be enough for them to beat Virginia, but I feel like this could be a pretty close game, even though I see the Cavaliers moving on. What are your thoughts? I think obviously that will be interesting for both Virginia and Kansas coming into this situation where we're not really sure where, you know, who is actually out for the program and when they're going to get a chance to suit back up. I assume that they feel comfortable with it, but would you be surprised, I guess, if we get to the latter part of it and all of a sudden there's a substitution? It's not out of the question here. If Virginia's playing, I think that their style is hard sometimes to overcome, especially when you haven't seen it. Um, I would trust Sam Hauser to get the job done in Virginia over Ohio on this one. Yes, definitely. So then what are you thinking for this USC versus Wichita or Drake matchup? Um, Evan Mobley is going to carry the day here for USC. Um, I've watched Wichita State once and Drake maybe once, but I think that, you know, when you get into March, you probably are going to lean towards NBA top three, top four picks in this type of matchup. I'm going to say Evan Mobley. Yeah. Yeah, this one was actually pretty cut and dry. I don't know why I really set the stage for you to give some sort of rationale for that one. Um, and then Kansas, same way. I know they're missing some guys, um, but I think we're going to go ahead and just pencil them in for the next round here. Yeah, just how long is David McCormick out? Because he kind of changed the ceiling for this team a little bit for them. I, uh, the I, center. Think, I think he might be out a while, but I know um, one of their players should be back at, right after this game. I thought um, J- Jalen Wilson did not travel with the team. Is that correct? I so think he's not going to be available. I believe Jalen Wilson didn't travel with the team, but I believe he's the one that should be back the soonest, unless I'm mistaken. Because okay. he didn't yeah. actually test positive for the virus. Maybe none of them did, but I know I read somewhere that he might be back for the round of 32. Yeah, he's extremely important just for their offensive ceiling. They're a really yeah. good defensive team, but they're not very good offensively without him. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Kansas in that one. Yeah. And then um, Oregon VCU. Um, I have Oregon winning this. Um, this is not Shaka Smart's VCU teams, but this is still a team that makes this a very, very, I guess, tough pick. What, what are you thinking? Um, You know, you probably lean towards Chris Duarte on this one and yeah. Oregon getting it done. I like Dana Altman when it comes to this time of the year. Yep. He's shown the ability to win in March, so lean towards Oregon on this one. Yep. And then we're going to pencil in Iowa into the round of yep. 32. So then, so then snaking uh, back up, we're going to finish off this region, um, kind of just okay. run it all the way through and then move on to one of the other ones. Um, so Oregon, Iowa. Uh, yeah, Oregon, Iowa. Who do you have there? I know Iowa can be a frustrating team. And generally speaking, this season, they've kind of shown what we thought they were going to be in the Big Ten, not capable of winning it because of the defense. But the defense has actually gotten a little bit better. Um, They've kind of snuck up in the Ken Palm rankings there. Uh, Iowa's going to win this one. Yep. And then I have the same, even though I would admit that I was trying to figure out how to have 
um, a Fran McCaffrey Iowa team exit earlier than people expected, but I couldn't really justify it just this so this early on. But um, and then uh, Kansas USC, uh, who do you have here? I actually have USC. Um, if Wilson can't come back, um, I like you said kind of for the last game where what, you got to kind of rely on NBA talent at this point. Evan Mobley's a guy that I could see single handedly carrying him to two wins. What are you thinking with this game? Again, if David McCormick's playing, yeah. I would lean Kansas. Um, you know, they're a top six defense in Ken Palm. I know that they have, again, had some ups and downs in part of this season, but I thought they kind of started putting it together towards the end. Uh, Kansas is my pick as long as he's a go. If he isn't, I think that they're going to be in trouble in the front court. Okay, so then next up we have – uh virginia and then the winner of creighton uc santa barbara i know we differed on that pick but i'm assuming we're having virginia move on uh regardless of who we have them matching up against in this game or is that not yeah that's where i'd lean okay yep um and then gonzaga versus missouri uh we i have gonzaga i'm assuming you have gonzaga yeah and gonzaga okay. wins the next one against virginia as well yep i have the same thing and then I actually have USC once again beating Iowa. This was just one of those things in my head where I just can't see myself picking Iowa to make it to an Elite Eight in an NCAA tournament. That's just something that I couldn't see myself doing. Like I, I'm honestly not sure if USC is even in this game. Like Kansas could easily be in this game, but I just couldn't see myself penciling Iowa in for another round. What what is what did you do for this pick? Yeah, I'm gonna go Iowa still. And again. You know, I'm not a huge Fran McCaffrey fan by yeah. any measure, but end of the day, I think it's going to be Gonzaga and Iowa facing off again for that rematch. I'm actually kind of excited to see it. It was at least an aesthetically pleasing offensive game, yeah. and I think we get to see it again. So, yeah. And then uh, actually, Gonzaga, Virginia, I believe, is also a rematch. <laughs> so the committee kind of uh, didn't really uh, mix things up here and gave Gonzaga a couple of rematches possibly on the way to the the Final Four. Um, yeah, do you think it's an advantage Gonzaga or do you think it's an advantage the teams that get to see them again and maybe just get a little bit used to the style? I'm not that, sure. What that's actually a good question. I honestly thought that this at first I thought that Gonzaga would just cruise through, but then at the end of the day, you can't really make that determination because you don't really know who's going. I would still say it's advantage Gonzaga because at the end of the day, I'll give Mark few the advantage when it comes to making these kind of adjustments and like looking back on the tape, but there's not really, yeah, I wouldn't say there's a, it's really that determinant of a, of an advantage for either side. What do you kind of think on that? I think that uh, Iowa actually played a relatively decent game. I saw there's like a Twitter account out there that that talks about quality shots. I can't mm-hmm. remember what the name of it is, but it was okay. interesting. And I stumbled on it like after this game. And they basically said that Iowa got better quality of shots than Gonzaga did. They just didn't hit them. Uh, do I think Iowa's going to beat them? No, but I do think that maybe that'll be interesting and, and maybe favor towards Iowa if that game does happen again. Okay. Okay. Um, so we're going to move down into the East region now. Um, I'm assuming we're going to slot Michigan into the next gate into the next round. Yes. Okay. So LSU St. Bonaventure, what are we thinking here? Yeah, I thought, I think LSU is going that way. And then obviously um, Michigan beats them there. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, so I have the same for that, and I also have Michigan beating LSU in the next round, though I will admit that was a game that I thought quite a bit about. 
Um, like we were kind of talking earlier, LSU's defense is pretty abysmal. Um, the only thing that kind of gave me pause was um, in the Ken Palm's top eight um, adjusted offensive efficiency teams, seven of them are one or two seeds in this tournament. And the one team that's not a top two seed is eight seed LSU kind of sticks out like a sore thumb for me, of like where they're kind of seated compared to what their capability is on one dimension and one dimension of the game. Again, you got to be somewhat competent at defense to actually make a run, but kind of gave me some pause for a second there in that uh, round of 32 game, but hopping back down into the round of 64 here, still in the same region, Colorado, Georgetown. I want to say this is probably one of my hardest, I guess, choices to make here in the first round what are you what are you going with here I can't pretend like I've watched a ton of Pac-12 obviously I saw you know the surge that Georgetown had to make yeah. it I mean there's some momentum that carries from that but I believe Colorado's old again this year aren't they don't they have quite a bit of upperclassmen I always kind of lean that way particularly in March but I, I can't yep. pretend like I know a ton about Colorado. Yeah, their they're two best players are seniors, and um, that kind of goes with how you would expect it to go with the formula. They don't turn the ball over a lot, and they have, like, good shot selection. Are so, they both in the backcourt? That I'm not sure. But I know McKinley Wright and Jariah Horn are the two guys to watch for. I can't really say I have another positioning. Yeah. but McK- McKinley's, a, I think, as a lead guard. And then I'm looking, I pulled up on mm-hmm. – uh, SRB, whatever, CBB. And yeah. he looks like he's a forward. So, uh, okay. yeah, I, that, that one's, that one could probably go either way. I'm going to lean Colorado. I think Georgetown was a little bit of a fluke to be able to get to where they were. To be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I, I believe that if um, Colin Gillespie is not hurt for Villanova, we're not even talking about Georgetown right now. So that kind of factor alone for me kind of excluded them from choosing them to win, but that momentum that they had with those four wins in four days still made me think about this one quite a bit. Um, next up, we have Florida, UNC, Florida State, UNC Greensboro. I have Florida State penciled in there. Yep, I do as well. I've heard that uh, Greensboro is actually a somewhat decent team this year, um, but I would assume that Florida State would probably overwhelm them with the athletes. So, yep, that's probably true. Um, and then. Next up, we have we got the play, and now yep. here we are, yep. right where we wanted to be. <laughs> so, <we're, laughs> yep. Uh, so uh, first, we'll touch on the play-in game before we get to the actual game okay. in, the, in the bracket. Um, MSU UCLA. I have MSU. Uh, what do you? Ha- who do you have here? Yeah, I have MSU. This one's going to be really, really interesting because uh, UCLA has a trio of wings. They don't have a ton of guards. Tiger Campbell is a guy that Michigan state recruited in 2018. He uh, visited a couple times unofficially. They never offered him. I have described it. I described it tonight and just generally uh, in the article that I'm writing for the preview, if you want to kind of look into a crystal ball and see maybe what AJ Hogard's like floor is the bottom of what I think he will be as an upperclassman, Tiger Campbell's kind of it. He shoots below 25% from three. Hopefully that's not the case long-term from Hogard, obviously. He's only 5'11". Obviously, Hogard's 6'3", more physical, a little bit more athletic. But the way that Tiger Campbell's been able to organize and run the team, he's got like a 5.3 to like two assist uh, turnover ratio. He's a guy that plays really poised. He's patient. He can score inside. And he's one of those guys that just generally um, – you know, like I said, leads the team, kind of organizes the offense. And if Hogar can get to that spot eventually 
and just be in a position where he doesn't have to do anything flashy, just takes care of the ball and runs the team. Michigan State will be in a better spot. Obviously, I think Aikens is going to be extremely exciting too, and we won't get too much into that. But generally yeah. speaking, Tiger Campbell, interesting. Three wing players that they have. Um, Jules Bernard is a lefty, 6'6". They're, all three guys are 6'6". Um, Jaime Jaquez is 6'6", 220. He's kind of an undersized power forward that they run out there. He can shoot the three. He can score at three levels. Uh, and the third guy is Johnny Juzang, who's from Kentucky, the yep, transfer. transfer. So they have kind of a combination of three guys that can all put the ball uh, in the bucket from basically all three levels of the court. And Michigan State is going to have to do a good job kind of making both Tiger Campbell and the big men, uh, both who are kind of a little more undersized, be the focal part of the offense. If they're able to do that, I think they're in a good position to win. Obviously, Aaron Henry has to be, you know, what we saw from the Ohio State and Illinois and just kind of Henry to win. But I don't think that there's really a guy that can bottle him up on UCLA. So I think the good part of this matchup is that if Aaron Henry plays to the caliber he is, uh, I think he can carry the day for Michigan State. Yeah, I think I think I do. Um, I wouldn't say easily, but this was kind of a pick that I thought that Michigan State could probably win mo- more times than not if you were kind of to run a repeated simulation. Um, if if UCLA hadn't lost the last four games, including the last game to Oregon State. I might have a different perception of them in my mind. And maybe I'm putting too much uh, focus on this whole who comes into the tournament hat theory. But I I just feel like a UCLA team that's lost four in a row versus a Michigan State team that's beaten three top five teams in the span of two weeks at one point. That's just, I can't see myself picking UCLA to win, even though I don't like the fact that they have three different guys that can score from the perimeter. Langford's going to have to play better than he's played on the last two weeks, especially on the defensive end, even if he's not going to score. Um, if Rocket can actually start um, consistently going downhill like he did in the Michigan win, he can start tiring out those UCLA guards too. And I feel like that'll open up kind of more for our offense. And then also they won't be able to attack as much from the perimeter. They're going to start getting lazy. I just see Michigan State winning this game, but it, they're going to have to play better than they did in the last couple of weeks. Even, even in some of those wins, I, I didn't like the fact that not all three, four perimeter guys are pouring it on kind of need a, if, if rocket and uh, Henry can start being, I guess Henry's always been consistent, but if rocket can bring the consistency and just his approach, even if he's missing some of these layups, I just want to see him almost predeterminately say, I'm going to attack the rim right when I get the ball even though that's probably not a smart idea in a, in a large sample size, just seeing that like personality from him would just go a long way for me. And if he can do that and maybe either Gabe Brown or Josh Lankford can put together like 13, 15 points, I think that that should be enough to get it done. I agree with that. And just touching briefly on the Josh Lankford thing, um, the staff really kind of rode him into the ground mm-hmm. and I thought he should have probably played closer to 20 minutes per game in conference play. He was uh, just under 30 is like 28.5. So they really played his legs off. I, I didn't think it was smart kind of coming into it. The last six games he shot under 30% from the field. He's shooting 19%. It's like four for 21 from deep. That cannot be your second score. Yep. And defensively, he's really looked slow. When I went back and watched the Michigan film, and then again, this Maryland game, he was getting beat in the help side. He was getting beat off the ball. Yep. If he's not capable of giving you more defensively, 
They really need to make the decision to play Gabe Brown because mm-hmm. even when Gabe Brown plays inconsistent, he's always going to be a threat from deep. And he's, yep. a, he's an athlete. He is. And, and I just think the way that the staff has handled the Brown and Langford split has been pretty bad all year, but really coming down to this game, if he's not playing well and he doesn't look like he has his legs under him, the staff needs to tap in longer stretches of Brown and sit Langford. Yep. And the one worry I have kind of coming into this is the staff has showed a complete unwillingness to do that during the course of the season. And do you really trust in a spot like this in a must win game that Izzo's not going to play him 30 minutes. So if we get into a situation where he's getting beat and he's not playing well, and he plays the full 30 minutes, uh, that is something that worries me a little bit. I didn't yeah. Yeah. But I agree with you. I think if they play up to the best they can, Michigan State should win this. Yeah. And then I think another thing is like Michigan State finally got a few days off here. So I'm, I'm hoping the Langford thing was kind of just a fatigue thing there. And I'm kind of hoping that's not how his legs are going to be here in this game. So that's kind of another reason why I was kind of feeling a little hopeful about that. The um, only reason why I complained about the draw that they got is that they didn't get the extra two days to maybe get a little bit yeah. more late. That was what I cared about more than the fact that, oh, Syracuse doesn't have quite the wins yeah. on the rest of it. We yeah. didn't really put ourselves in a position uh, to complain about being in or not at this point. You know, yeah. We were lucky to be in. They they did what they needed to do down the stretch to be able to get there. So yeah. the only thing I had to complain about was that Josh didn't get an extra two days for his legs. So. Yeah, yeah. So if they win that game, like we're expecting them to, they'll be facing off against BYU. I know BYU, everyone's uh, kind of remembering how they gave uh, Gonzaga a scare there here recently. Um, but to be honest with you, that's really kind of the only thing that I see in a positive light for BYU kind of when analyzing this matchup. Um, the other two times they also lost to Gonzaga. So they had three shots at them. They finally made it close the third time. Um, they don't really have any big time wins. They lost by they lost to USC by almost thirty. I want to say um, they did beat Utah State, who's in the field. Uh, I want to say they also beat San Diego State. So they they've shown some flashes, but this is not a team that has played competition like in Ohio State, Illinois, and Michigan in the span of a couple weeks and beaten three of them. At the end of the day, that's what I'm going to look at more than them challenging Gonzaga that one time. So I have Michigan State winning. Uh, what do you think in this BYU-MSU matchup? I think probably athletically clearly advantages Michigan State, just the way that it's set up. Um, you know, Across the board, they probably have an advantage in almost every position in that regard. They're a good three-point shooting team. Uh, so that's always a little bit of a scare, but Michigan state actually this year, the one stat that they really like have excelled in is the ability to kind of shut down perimeter shooting from deep. So I think that that matchup probably favors Michigan state and for how much we complained about it, if they can get past UCLA, I would probably rather play BYU than San Diego state myself. Yep. And I think, uh, you know, Long story short, it doesn't matter so much if you get past this first one. Maybe we got a better draw in the long run for having mm. had to play the playing game. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, so then we'll move down to Texas. Uh, Evelyn Christian, I'm assuming that's Texas all the way. Yes. So then we have seven seed UConn versus 10 seed Maryland. Uh, Michigan State fans had a chance to look at Maryland closely here a couple times. I know that Maryland kind of scares some MSU fans. Um, there some MSU fans might put Maryland into the next round because of what we've seen recently. 
Um, I've seen Maryland play quite a few times, especially when they played against Penn State. Uh, Penn State swept them this year. Maryland has looked very bad at times, and they've looked very good at times. Um, actually, one of their losses to Penn State was either to snap their seven-game win streak, or it was right after the Northwestern game that snapped that win streak. But So it was in the part of the season where Maryland was looking their best, where they completely fell flat against Penn State. I don't have a lot of faith in Maryland. I know they've beaten Michigan State, but that's not going to be enough for me to think they're going to come out and also beat a lot of these NCAA tournament teams because Michigan State is frankly very inconsistent. I have UConn winning this game. What do you what do you think, DK? Um, you know, it's interesting that you bring up kind of who they've beaten because if you look at UConn, they bit beat USC early on in the year when they weren't quite what they were towards the end. And the Big East really had a terrible stretch to kind of end the season. How many t- teams did they end up getting in? Uh, I'm not sure. Oh, not really? too many. And I know Villanova Nova, took a Creighton, huge fall. Georgetown. Was there any other? Because Xavier was around there. They didn't get in. Xavier didn't get in. Seton Hall didn't get in. Um, I think that, honestly, it was just – it was three of them, right? And Georgetown wouldn't have got in before. Correct. Yeah. Maybe we're yeah. forgetting somebody in there in the mix, but – um, I, it just, it was a down year for the conference across the board. I mean, yeah. you look at it and the best win that they had in conference was against Seton Hall, who's a 52 and didn't make the tournament. Yeah. You know? So I'm a little bit, I, I think the competition level for Maryland was there. I think that they've had an identity the whole season. I mean, James Booknight for UConn is the best player on the floor. And yep. if he gets hot, all bets are off, but if they can con- him a little bit and more cells able to do his job on the defensive end. Um, I, I just, I'm going to lean big 10 this year because I think it was a brutal, brutal year for the conference as competitive as it's been in a decade. And uh, you know, they played a lot of grindy games and one on the road. I think they can beat a UConn team that hasn't really played the caliber of teams. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely see that angle because one thing I asked myself is would UConn be in the NCAA tournament if they were in the big 10? I don't know if I could have definitively said yes to that question. Um, I guess it was more so of me putting too much investment in how I've seen Maryland play at their lowest, particularly the two games against Penn State. But I can definitely get behind that argument of Maryland's more battle tested than UConn is by far. So I can definitely see that going that way. Um, and then Alabama beating Slick Rick and Iona there, I'm assuming. Yeah, that's at least an interesting matchup, though. Yep. Nobody's really talked about that too much, but. Uh... Rick Pitino comes back to college basketball and gets his team into the tournament his first year. Uh-huh. I mean, say what you want about who he is as a person. <laughs> I think he coaches a hell of a, I mean, he's one of the top five coaches in college basketball in this last like decade or whatever. He just wins. Mm-hmm. So however you, you want to say how you personally feel about him. Yeah. Uh, I think Alabama overwhelms them. Just the, the talent that they have definitely. Yeah. But Maybe that's more of a game than we thought just because the coaching kind of wills it that way. So I'm curious. Yeah. I, um, I, I know, I don't know if you saw or not, but um, this morning uh, Patino said that you could offer me the best job in America and I wouldn't leave it. I wouldn't take it to leave. <laughs> He's, but, man, his quotes are great. Yeah. But uh, we'll You're see. Right. That, He's, yeah. He loves to win and he loves the money. So yeah. I think if they, he finds the right job. If yeah. Indiana came calling, he would bag on both knees to take that job. Mm-hmm. No yeah. E- even if someone like UNLV starts giving serious consideration, I don't think he takes it with how strong of a wording he gave, but definitely an Indiana level school. 
I, I don't see him turning down Indiana to keep coaching at Iona, but we'll see. How about we'll New see. Mexico just doubling down on baby Bettino? And they're yep. like, you know what? 12 hours. Down at Minnesota, it's been nothing but, you yep. know, great yep. runs and successful ends to the season. And they didn't even wait. They snatched him up yep. literally like, Hey, yeah, I as mean, if as if there was a line out the door to hire Richard Patino <laughs> or something. They locked him up in twelve hours because they're like, "There's no comedy. way we can let this man go a day without it." <laughs> they, maybe they read the name wrong on the uh, application. Yeah, they that's it was exactly right. <laughs> they thought the wrong one applied yeah. for the job. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's um, the round of sixty-four in this East region. Yeah. So uh, we already touched on Michigan uh, versus LSU. We both had Michigan advancing there. Um, Colorado, Florida State. I have Florida State. This is also one that a lot of people had trouble deciding on. What are you thinking? I know I we talked about earlier how Leonard Hamilton doesn't have us convinced that he can make a huge run. Um, I just don't trust him. I don't think he's a tactician. He's not an in-game coach. Um, he recruits well. I think the talent's there and he develops guys. I mean, he gets a ton of guys to the NBA. So not always a mark of a successful coach is just that. I mean, you see what, you know, Calipari does. He's blatantly come out and just said, I don't care about, you know, winning in March all the time so much as I do about getting these guys to the next level. So Leonard Hamilton's been very successful in that, but like tournament wise and with what some of he has, sometimes he has a ton of just athletic talent on there. And it doesn't always come into shape, particularly in March. So I, I don't trust him. I'll yep. say that. But I do think that they get they get to the next round to see Michigan. Okay. So then we have in the next uh, game below that, MSU versus Texas. Unfortunately. Oh, man. I kind of hope we see this. I won't Me lie. Too. Because I think Texas has been a lot, a lot of fun to watch. I don't know if you've gotten to get your eyes on them at all, but I've seen them twice. I saw them play against Cade Cunningham. And then I think I saw one of their games in the middle of February. Pretty decent veteran backcourt. Obviously quite a bit of athletic talent on the wings. Yep. Uh, So I think that would be a really fun matchup. I would obviously lean Texas probably on yeah. this, I think. Yeah. I, I just I think, think that they have more talent when you match it up, and I'm not quite sure how Michigan State would handle some of the matchups. Yeah, I think with um, with Andrew Jones, Coleman, and Ramey, those guys, you kind of know what you're going to get from them. That's like a, like a three-headed monster that you can kind of count on a little more than Henry and whoever the second best player decides to show up that day and whoever the third best player decides to randomly show up <laughs> on that day, I just can't like when you start comparing the Michigan state top level talent versus Texas, I feel like Texas is, is just more consistent. Yes. If rocket plays his second best game of the season up close to that Michigan level. And if Langford plays his best game in the last month, right. could Michigan state win definitely. But those are if statements that I am not confident enough in to put them over a Texas team that I think would win if they play their usual game. I'll just say this. I think that probably if Michigan state got to that point, it would be considered for me a successful Correct. season for that. Obviously I didn't like the way that they flaked out in the big 10 tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have probably prefer them to just win that game, especially when the first 10 minutes, they looked like, you know, a team that could beat basically anyone <laughs> yeah. in the country and then they just completely floundered. Um, but I would say generally, you know, when Greg Brown has to be your fourth best player on your team, I think that you're probably in a pretty good position. 
And uh, I think that we're going to end up seeing that Texas-Alabama matchup. I think that's got to be one of the more underrated matchups we could potentially see in kind of that situation. Um, so I kind of hope that we get that. Obviously, Michigan State makes it, I mean, fantastic. But I, I would be surprised. So leaning Texas on that one for sure. Yeah, same. Um, so I guess jumping into the next round there, Texas-Alabama that you just touched on. Who do you have winning that? Yeah. I have Nate Oaks. Who do you have winning that? Oh, I would lean Nate too. the only team that won both the tournament and the regular season this year. Um, what he's been able to do at a non-traditional basketball program in such a short span. Uh, obviously the money down there probably helps and mm-hmm. who knows how the recruiting is going one way or the other. I think the SEC of any of the basketball schools are starting to get some help from the football programs to be able to ensure these kids are coming there. So that's a story for a different day, but um, recruiting wise, he's starting to hit it out of the park. He's put together a team. He's completely adopted the threes and layups philosophy. They like practice specifically that points are less at the two point range in the long two. That's how he sets up the practices. Uh, So I think it's an interesting approach and uh, I would lean Alabama in that one. Yeah. I'm not going to pick against uh, the uh, unofficial Izzo disciple in Nate Oaks with him and his uh, car rides up from Romulus to East Lansing, learning from, from our guy, Tom Izzo, but no, is that what uh, happened? I didn't actually know that. I knew he was in Romulus. So, so what would happen is, um, so I don't know how he originally. This is got a good story because I don't think a lot of people know this. I didn't know this. Yeah. So, There's a loose connection with Michigan, but I didn't know there was actually a connection. So, yeah. So when he was um, a high school math teacher, I want to say, and obviously the basketball coach at Romulus, he uh, would drive up to East Lansing, quote, every single chance he got. Um, that's what he told the Lansing State Journal, I want to say, a couple years ago. Or no, actually, I think this was actually in, in, an, in an interview he gave after he was hired at Alabama. But he said that he would come up to Michigan State almost every chance he got. And Izzo would welcome him in hotel walkthroughs. He would welcome him at practices. And basically, he got to hang around the Michigan State program. And he said he was, quote, very involved in an unofficial capacity uh, during his time here. So he he considers Izzo, like, basically his greatest influence, his mentor. And he was pretty hands-on with this Michigan State program. I don't know if it was for a few years or if it was for one year, but he he was very, very established and kind of being familiar at these practices in East Lansing. Well, that is news to me, and <laughs> I like that. I'm, there's been some chatter among the fan base, yep. you know, what is the time span for Izzo's next whatever. It, it'll be interesting to miss, for me to see because I think he's going to always want to chase that Moby Dick, that white whale, and get that second one. I think yep. it's just been, like, he's been thinking about it. He goes to sleep thinking about it. Yep. Um, so how many years is he going to continue to pursue it? But like four to five years down the way, maybe there's a, you know, he's in a spot where he feels comfortable moving. Hopefully we've won one for for Lord's sake and all the fan base. If we've got one in the next five years, you know, he can return, you know, retire off into the sunset, but uh, Nate Oates has got to be high up on the list for a lot of programs kind of looking at the next transition. And Mm -hmm. I, that gives me, a little bit more hope that maybe they can try to lure him back to Michigan. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, I feel like if he goes ahead and he wins a little bit at Alabama, he won't feel like he's actually kind of abandoned the team that the first P5 team that gave him a shot. 
Um, but at the same time, like if Izzo decides to hang it up once this 2021 class has matriculated all the way through the program, giving him another four or five years, I feel like that's probably the timeline I would expect Izzo to retire at. Um, and by that's then, where I lean as well. Yeah. So by then, Oates would have given Alabama a solid four, five, six years. And I feel like that's where he might be looking for his home for like the next 15, 20 years if he is a bat college basketball lifer. And I can see that with those pieces falling together. But the other question is if Jawan Howard goes to the NBA and he's destined to come back to the state of Michigan, um, does he take the Michigan job? If it, just a whole lot of possibilities that way. If he wants I to think Jawan's on a similar track, to be honest with you, because the kids are coming through the program. I think he's going to want to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's one of those situations yeah. where maybe after Jace goes through, right? Jace is the Jace, oldest one. Correct. Yeah. I believe so, so. Or the young, the youngest, right? Is Jace yeah. the oldest? Yeah, Jace is the one that's the actual, um, not the actual, I don't want to say it, but like he's the one that has the scholarship offer. He's the one that's heavily recruited, I believe. And then I believe the walk-on son is already there. I do believe Jace is the name of the, um, I want to say four-star recruit. But yeah, um, but yeah, so I guess just wrapping up uh, this game real quick. Yeah, so uh, joking aside with Nate Oates being the unofficial Izzo disciple here, um, like you said, Alabama basically operates like a math equation here on the offensive end uh, with the three-point valuation, and they lead the SEC in three-point field goals made. They also have four guys averaging double figures. Those are the kind of teams I always look for in March where if one or two guys are cold, are there other people that can carry the load? I have Alabama beating uh, Texas here. Um, If it's a close game, I think that might be um, troublesome for Alabama because they're not a great free throw shooting team, but I think they'll be up about eight or nine points when it gets to that crunch time part of the game. Um, So then we have Alabama. Oh, actually, no, cycling up to the Sweet 16 in that same region. Michigan, Florida State. You, uh, we both kind of said we don't trust Leonard Hamilton. The other thing I don't trust is me having Michigan go three and zero without Isaiah Livers, assuming he's not back. And I don't think he will be. But can you see yourself having Michigan go three and zero without Isaiah Livers? I don't think I can. Um, if it's FSU versus Michigan, I think that they can win that. Yes. Okay. I have. Yeah, I do. I think they can make an elite eight, and then it starts getting really interesting. I just like who do you think is definitely definitively going to be able to beat them out of that grouping? Like, do you really trust FSU that much that they're going to beat them even down? I do not. I do not. I actually have. This is the part of the bracket I've changed the most. The very first time I went ahead and did the draft of this. I had uh, them losing uh, one to 16. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> I, I had uh, I had LSU beating them um, in the second round. And um, then I started to take away emphasis from how great they are at offense and like looking more into their defensive flaws. I ended up changing that. Then I had Michigan um, in the second kind of draft I did. I had Michigan beating LSU and then Florida State. And that's when I started to explore the Isaiah Livers angle even more. And I'm thinking I'm just forcing Michigan to the final four, thinking they're or the elite eight, thinking they're the same team I saw all year, not counting the fact that Isaiah Livers is a guy they really can't win without in a large sample size. So I, it was more so me forcing the concept of them not being able to make, make an elite eight without Isaiah Livers, as opposed to logically saying this team matches up good enough where they can beat yeah. them head to head. 
So, so are you I, changing your opinion in the middle of this now? I will be changing my opinion on Michigan's path until the very first game of the NCAA tournament attempts off. <laughs> but for for the I, I think that they can to, make an elite eight. Okay. I, yeah, I might like, have to watch like four or five FSU games in the next day or two and then really decide. But for now, I okay. have FSU in it. That's fair. That's fair. Um, and for the record and yeah. just for the podcast records, Jet Howard is the incoming top 50 uh, kid. I've watched him at IMG. I couldn't remember if it was Jace. Mm-hmm. Chase is already on the team. Okay. Uh, so it's Jet coming in. Okay. That's the 22 class. Yeah. So, um, and then I'm assuming we both have Alabama advancing into the final four out of this region, regardless of if they play against Michigan or Florida state, or is that not true? Uh, yeah, I, that one's going to be good, but I, I, this is the one where I actually avoided the chalk and not by men much, but I lean Alabama coming out of this. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And me as well. I actually thought Alabama was the third best team in the entire tournament. Um, so gonna have to have them go to the final four here. And I, I do think they can beat Michigan, even if Michigan is. A team I hope that's play. the case because I put a little money on them making the final four, like yep. middle, middle of the season. I watched them a couple of times and like, yeah, that's a decent. <laughs> I can't remember what I got it at. I have to look. Yeah. Like 650 to something. So yeah, I, I think that'll be a good pick. Plus I think Javon Quinterly has started to play well as of late. I want to say he was even the SEC, uh, most SEC tournament, most outstanding player, uh, of the tournament, I want to say um, he started out kind of slow. I believe the he transferred in from Villanova two years ago, sat out yep. last year. If they can kind of add him to the fold and he keeps playing at the level he played at in this tournament, uh, they might go further than a final four. Um, but I don't know. We'll have to see how consistently he can hold up. Uh, okay. So swinging to the bottom, right. We'll kind of try to run through this a little faster, maybe not give so much analysis. Slow. It's my fault. No, 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 no. I, I wanted to chat about, uh, Nate Oaks and his run with the East <laughs> Lansing drives, but, uh, so, uh, we'll start at the, actually we'll go up to the top, right. We'll start at the South, um, region. We have Baylor, Baylor, yep. Baylor UNC is where I won for the first two. So I had Baylor you're putting any stock in Wisconsin, what they've so, like in the conference. So the thing is, the thing is, my They're whole, an abomination. Michigan broke them. Nate Reavers and Michael Potter were playing together yep. and starting. They played Michigan. They completely abandoned it because Michigan abused it. And it was like, that was your one advantage of the year. Just because one team exploits you, you shouldn't just change what made you decent. And they stopped playing beside each other like a pick and pop tandem. They can both post up. That was their one advantage that they had on their roster, and they completely blew it. And honestly, yeah. there's no he, way. I think North Carolina destroys them inside. Destroys he, them inside. Yes. So, so looking at it that way, I can agree. Here's where my issue comes in is UNC – I know we've applied this logic to other teams and other conferences, but UNC has played in an ACC that has not been very good. And as a result – I'll go through the notable results that they have listed on their ESPN little blurb here. Iowa lost by 12, Virginia lost by 12, Texas lost by two, Clemson lost by 13, Georgia Tech lost by five, um, Duke won twice, Virginia Tech won by eight, Florida State lost once, lost twice, and then beat them a third time. Frankly, they've got to start beating some teams before I can have them beating like a a senior laden team like Wisconsin. 
at the same time, Wisconsin's definitely a fraud. They've been disappointing. I, I feel like if you give most coaches these guys at this age of their career, they finish way higher in the Big Ten than Greg Gard had him finishing. I would never have Wisconsin winning more than one game in, in this tournament, even if Baylor wasn't there. But I, UNC, to me, just screams fraud for some reason. And I think they're both frauds. Yeah. I think that UNC has way better athletes and that's where this I is mean, true. This is true. Their, their front court, they have four guys in their front court. Each one of their centers could basically start on almost every team in the country, minus like a few exceptions, mm-hmm. like ridiculous amount of front court depth. I think they just throw bodies and waves at Wisconsin and there's nobody that's going to be able to stop. I, I don't know what that line's going to be, but uh, I will definitely take a friendly wager if you want to lean, lean Wisconsin. Anyway, we can bet like a, a case of beer or something, a burger <laughs> and a bite. I'm totally down for taking that one because I think I think North Carolina is going to murder them. I really do. I might have Wisconsin winning this game, but no chance I have <laughs> Wisconsin. I, I ever wager something in favor of Greg Gard when the stakes are high. <laughs> <laughs> stakes are that high i know you're are you still in college i am yeah uh, yeah. yeah okay yeah. all right so just, i mean that's fine i'll just come up and buy you a bird no no no, no. stakes high, stakes being high meaning the ncaa tournament being what greg card is coaching for and that's stakes of our bet being uh-huh. high. i can't see uh-huh. greg Gard winning something meaningful especially with the roster he had i don't know how you finished that low in the big 10 i and, i'm and, with you yeah but um, Villanova Winthrop, um, I actually grew up a Villanova fan for the longest time, back when the Scotty Reynolds, Corey Fisher, Malik Wayne's days were happening. Yeah. I one Villanova, team to root for. Yeah, Villanova is so, not their offense is just aesthetically like it's it's pleasurable. Yeah, there's yep. not very much pleasurable offensive basketball in the entire country, and they're yep. one team every As, year. You can- as uh, as John Rothstein says, Villanova basketball, Fortune 500 company. They uh, they uh, are not the same Villanova team though. When Colin Gillespie's out, and I think Justin Moore is also banged up, they're going to be relying very very heavily on Jeremiah Robinson Earl. They will beat Winthrop, I think, but I don't think this is this is going to be one of those years where Jay Wright's out by the first tournament, and not one of those years where he wins the wins raises a banner. So. I would lean towards obviously seeing the Villanova Purdue matchup in that. Didn't that happen just recently in the tournament or I'm mistaken. Did they see each other at some point in time? I almost want to look back on that because I feel like that's a somewhat familiar matchup and they maybe saw each other within the last three years or so. I want to say that that was the very last tournament that happened. Um, I think Carson, I think I remember Carson Edwards playing against Villanova and beating them by quite a bit. Um, let's see. Yeah. March 23rd, 2019. So the last tournament that happened, it was Purdue 87 Villanova 61. Yeah, they, they murdered them. Oh my yep, God. 26 points. And, uh, that's the thing nobody ever talks about. Like they want to give Izzo shit for not like getting the second title. And I get it. Like everybody's ready for it, but Jay Wright has flamed out so many more times and he won two and three years and he deserves all the credit. Like whatever. It, yeah. If he wins another one, goad him. That's fine. Yeah. Like, did he just catch like some magic in the bottle, or is he going to be able to keep them at the top? Because he's been like an early flame out more often than he's been the guy that you would really put your money on to be able to win the whole thing. So, so I I have the stat on that. Jay, right in the last decade, in the last ten tournaments, 
He has made it out of the first weekend twice. Both of those years, he won a national title. So he either in the last decade. <laughs> what was that? Throw yep, that out one more time. Two times in the last 10 tournaments, Villanova has made it out of the first weekend. So I passed around to 32. Holy and shit. Both years, he won a national title. Every other year, Villanova fans have their March and earlier, much earlier than most of the other teams. Wow. In their echelon. So that's a crazy stat. Yeah. So I, I guess, I guess it could be a lengthy debate of would you rather have two titles and a lot of flameouts? Would you have one title and celebrate a final four every few years? I don't know. That's a long debate people could have, but just win the second one. And then it's, and it's yeah. the cherry on the top. It's over. Yeah. Sunday. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I guess that uh, brings us into the bottom half of this bracket. Uh, we said Purdue is going to be uh, moving on, beating North Texas. Uh, Texas Tech, Utah State. Um, I have Chris Beard moving on here, but this is a Utah State team that some experts are predicting to to win this game. Really? I, I, yeah, I want to say that uh, both Jerry Palm and... Because Utah State's got that guy who's like completely bald, and he just goes out and he, he shoots the shit out of the ball. I am not sure, but I, I do know that they have a dude that averages a double double with rebounds. So if Texas Tech starts, I don't think I don't think it's the white ball guy. I'm thinking of, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I want to say Jerry Palm and um, Matt Norlander. I want to say both of them were high in Utah State, but I I can't see myself picking against Chris Beard when the last time he played in the coaching the NCAA tournament. He was in the national title game, and that defense is pretty good. Not the same as last year, but I have Texas Tech winning. Who do you have? Yep, TT. Okay. I'm a, so, I'm a Chris Beard fan generally. Yeah. If somehow Michigan State in four to five years had him on their short list and he'd consider it, he would be right up there with me with Nate Oates, I think. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. He'll have that that really, really good defense, but without having you fall asleep on the offensive end. like uh, Yeah, Bennett. hopefully not. <laughs> you think that Indiana is going to be able to actually land a reasonable candidate because there's been a couple names linked. Chris Beard's one, Scott I, Drew. I think that God all line, of which I think is a long shot. But. Yeah. I think all of those candidates are kind of like the same kind of scope that Michigan football always has for like their football candidates. Anytime they start talking about Harbaugh being fired, they're not, those guys are not leaving a Texas tech or like these kind of programs to come coach at Indiana. Now don't get me wrong. Indiana might have more resources. I know they're a, a blue blood, I guess, but the thing is. Chris Beard gets paid a lot. And I think his buyout is huge. His yeah. Buyout. I want to say it's 22 million, unless I'm mistaken it's for another big coach. Buyout. Yep. Yeah. So I don't think those coaches will leave, not because Indiana's a worse off program, but they've won elsewhere. They are so a worse why off do they program. need to say it. Right okay. here now, they're completely worse <laughs> off program. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with it. He, yeah. he, Baylor has one of the best uh, incoming 2021 classes, mm-hmm. um, like in, uh, maybe in their history of the basketball program, but they're a top three or top five class coming in next year for basketball. Yeah. He's done plus, a really, really nice job building the program from the ground up. Yeah. Plus, my thing is like there's coaches out there that have won at these places where they built them up and they've maintained it for like two decades. Like, I know we were just dissing on Jay Wright, but like if you can win at Villanova, win two titles there and have like a few runs, even though it's been a while, I guess. But if you can do that, why do you need Indiana to, to yeah. be a lifer in college basketball? Why can't you coach at Texas Tech for 20 years or Baylor for 20 years? Like, I don't see the need for them to to use Baylor. 100%. How much does the fan base love you for, like, exactly. raising a program from the dead yeah. to bring it back? 
the yeah. gratification of just doing that and then yeah. winning in a place that you probably shouldn't be. I mean, I think I said, uh, Baylor right now is going to be in a position where consistently, maybe not next year, because I think they lose quite a bit, but consistently like every two years, I think that they're going to be challenging Kansas for a big 12 title. And I think that that was unthinkable, like five or six years yep. ago, Kansas was just running through that league. Yep. And all of a sudden you blinked and the big 12 is actually one of the better conferences in a better spot with coaching and all the rest of it. Uh, than they've been in a long time, Texas, Texas tech, Baylor, Kansas, like th- there's a lot of quality teams. Yep. For sure. Um, but yeah, you asked me about Indiana. I think if they're smart, they'll go get a coach that's a mid-major coach. Like, um, can't remember his first name, but last name is Gates. He used to be the associate head coach under Leonard, Leonard Hamilton at Florida State. He was instrumental in some of the recruiting successes. Then he came and took this job. It might be Cleveland State's coach, I want to say. He turned this team um, from a four-win team, lost all of their key players through the portal when he got hired, rebuilt that team from scratch to the portal and recruits, and in two years took it from a four-loss team to an NCAA tournament team with four losses. I, that's the kind of program builder if I'm Indiana. That's who I would target. Issue as donors mean, might not pay up for. I 100% and I think that they want the big sexy name. Yep. Find a big fish in a small pound that's proven that he's been able to take the steps necessary to win at multiple programs that he shouldn't. He he came from the bottom somewhere and just rose up a program in a conference like that has reasonable basketball. Yeah. And that is what I think. You know who I. Uh, I thought of, and I know he just jumped, was the Virginia Tech guy. Is it Mike Young? Yeah, from Wofford. From Wofford and then jumped to Virginia Tech. He got them in the tournament again this year. It's a couple years in a row. They would have got in last year as well. Yep. Like that program is a bottom of the barrel ACC team, and they've like come reasonably in the top half of the conference in back-to-back years, and that's not traditionally what they do. Like that, he's an interesting guy for me too. You got to find a, you know, like I said, a, a guy who just is maybe a smaller fish in a big pond or somebody who's a big fish in a small pond has proven it a couple of times. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I think what Iowa state just did today was a mistake. They hired UNLV's coach that was 29 and 30 at UNLV who only landed that job because when he took over the North Dakota state job, he inherited Mike Dom who basically carried him to yeah. all his success. Yeah. So that was awesome. Yep. Yeah, so that's kind of a higher. I feel like Iowa State just got wrong today. They, I believe, they only took 24 hours to hire this guy from UNLV. What is the um, rush? <laughs> I don't understand this at all. Is the programs like they're so worried about it that they're going to just. Iowa State was a legit, like, exciting program with yeah. Fred Hoiberg. Yeah. And all of a sudden they become like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, not not really sure what that hire was about or what the rush is in general. But yeah, I, I guess if Indiana does go that route, don't go exactly the route that Iowa State just did. Make sure the guy won without inheriting one star player. Um, jumping back into this bracket, um, <laughs> we have we have uh, Arkansas and Colgate um, still here in the South region. Uh, I'm assuming we have Arkansas there, even though I know that line is down to I want to say minus eight for Arkansas. I heard that Colgate is an interesting pick in this yeah. one too. Um, I can't pretend like I know anything about Colgate besides mm-hmm. it being a toothpaste brand. So yep. um, I'm going to lean Arkansas here. Moses Moody. I know that's uh, 
that's going to be a catch name. I think he's mm-hmm. a stud. So we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. The only thing I know about Colgate is I believe they were top 10 in net and everybody was worried about, hopefully they don't get too high. Of a that's right. That. They were like 13 in net. Yeah. Um, the only issue is they didn't play an opponent within the top 75 of net. And that's why they're a 14 seed. So I'm glad that was taken care of, even though the net was flawed in many other usages in this tournament, but that's really all I know about Colgate. So I'm going to go ahead and take Eric Musselman and, and Arkansas to beat them. Florida, Virginia Tech. This this is kind of one of those seven ten toss ups. Um, anytime Florida played against a really good team uh, like Alabama, I guess even Arkansas, even though they're not really good, Florida State, they lost by double digits. They have a they they're very fluky. At the same time, they beat West Virginia, they beat LSU, which is decent. I don't really have a strong conviction in either one of these teams winning this game. I will go ahead and say Florida. Uh, I think this is one of those cases of better athletes kind of notion that we've used a couple of times, uh, even though I didn't use that in the North Carolina, uh, Wisconsin game. But so what do you have here? I have Florida. Yeah, I have Florida as well. Obviously, you know, hopefully Keontae Johnson is doing well. I thought this was a team that probably would have been maybe in like a tier two selection. Mm -hmm. They looked kind of in the beginning part of the season where, Maybe they weren't quite a national title contender, but a team that you would definitely want to monitor as the season continues. Yeah. Um, he was obviously a huge loss. Trey Mann has had a really nice season. He's a guy that maybe can carry a game. Yeah, uh, I believe. So I would lean towards probably Florida in this one. Yeah, I believe Mann was mocked in the first round, at least at some point in the season. I don't know where he is right now. I haven't really monitored them down there, but. I do believe that he's quite a legit of a pro prospect. And then we have Ohio State, Oral Roberts. I'm assuming we have Ohio State there, though Chris Holtman has tried to do his best to lose some games recently. Um, Are we going to go ahead and – He's kind of been tough down the stretch. He's another hire that I thought was like a home run for Ohio State, and I still believe that. Yeah. But uh, he's had a couple seasons now. I think they did it two years ago when he was first hired where they had a really nice season and just kind of crumbled down the stretch. Yep. Uh, what, what year is this for him now? Is this four? Four. I want to say four. I was looking at it last week. Um, he turned, yeah, uh, what is it? it was Bates oh. Dion into oh, yeah. was player of the year, right? He yeah. his first Yeah. And Jay Sean Tate, there was a lot of excitement there. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I don't know. He hasn't done as well as I thought he would in the yeah. post thus far. Yeah. I think they. I think they return basically everybody. I'm not sure what Kyle Young does. Yeah, if he comes back with the extra year of eligibility. But if they ran that team back, I think that they would get a little bit better. I think Liddell will get maybe a little yeah. bit better as long as he stays. They're an yeah. interesting team for me heading into next season with the Big yeah. Ten. I think they're top three, four team if they come back again. Yeah, I I have them penciled in all the way into a Sweet Sixteen here. I do as well. Yeah, so I guess we can just real quick touch on. So yeah, we have we have uh, them beating Oral Roberts, and then we both have them beating Florida. Uh, I know that for like we just said, Ohio State's been like shaky at the end of games recently, but at, at the end of the day, those that was against like Illinois of the world, Michigan's of the world. So right, yeah, we, we won't hold it against them too much, but it's something they to watch for. Stretch. They just had a really tough schedule. Exactly. Game. Yeah. So I guess the game right above them um, for how Ohio State's going to or who they're going to play in the Sweet 16, we have Texas Tech, Arkansas. I was very tempted to choose Texas Tech again. Frankly, I don't know why I didn't, but 
Who do you have? I chose Texas Tech. I yeah. Mean, again, I think Beard's track record speaks for itself thus far. Musselman's done a nice job at Nevada, you know, but uh, yeah. prior to coming over. But I'm going to lean towards Chris Beard. I, I don't. They don't have like a sexy score. Mac McClung for me isn't a primary option. I think he's more of like a secondary guy. Yeah. So the fact that sometimes they come down to the stretch and that's their best option, I don't really love that. Yeah. I thought that Terrence Shannon was going to take that step this year for them, but yeah. This, um, this is kind of a game where it was very lazy analysis, and I said that Texas Tech kind of scares me because when they played the likes of Baylor, Houston, Kansas, they were zero and five. Um, what was the, what were the games though? Weren't they all pretty close for the most part? Um, Baylor and Kansas. I'm not sure as it just says lost twice. Houston was an 11 point loss. Um, and then West Virginia, they lost twice. So they, they got two swings at Oklahoma state. So they got to play Baylor, Oklahoma state, West Virginia, Houston, a total of seven times and went Oh, and seven. I would have liked to have seen just one win, even if they were, that's fair. So yeah. that was kind of my lazy analysis. And then I looked at, okay, Arkansas beat Alabama. So that alone has already given me more of a ceiling for them than Texas Tech. Okay. I'll have, to, I'll have to look have... a little more into that, just like the Florida State-Michigan game. But that's actually very interesting of a game. That'll be fun to watch. I agree. I think that's another fun one. I hope that we, that we eventually yeah. get it. I would say that regardless of what happens there, I would choose Ohio State over the next one. Yes. I think Ohio State has some flaws. But I think that Liddell is just a really tough matchup for basically 90% of the country. I mean, he was a tough matchup for the Big Ten, let alone what he's going to enter into into the tournament. They're just there's not too many guys that have his size and can bang you a little bit in low yep. and then just have the how many six, seven, like two hundred and thirty pound dudes can just shoot such a smooth mm-hmm. range. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that I would lean Ohio State in that game, regardless yeah. if it ends up being Texas Tech or Arkansas. Yeah. And then part of my issue was since I don't know with confidence who it's going to be out of Texas Tech and Arkansas, I can't really justify having that team beat Ohio State in that game as well. So that kind of forces me to fair. put Ohio State into that next round. I'm assuming against Baylor, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. So just working back. Do you think that the Baylor Purdue game, if we get that, is going to be at all any interesting? Purdue's kind of come on down the it, late stretch. I think that they're a year maybe ahead of schedule. And Baylor's trending in the wrong direction as well at the same time after their COVID break. But I yeah, don't know. I listened. Uh, I was in a locker room and Rob Doster was talking about that situation. He said that in 21 days, they'd only practice one time mm-hmm. and then ran into a situation where they had to play all these games. So I think that maybe that gets a little bit figured out. Um but I think at least maybe Purdue can kind of give them an interesting game. Trevion Williams has been pretty good down the stretch for the, you know, the big 10 and, and uh, I don't know. I think I'm excited to see it. I think the yeah. big 10 and the big 12 were two conferences that really were at the peak of college basketball generally this yeah. season. So I think like maybe a more mid tier big 10 team against ba- uh, Baylor, maybe that gives you some indication of whether, Illinois is possibly capable of beating them, right? We've seen Correct. Illinois and Purdue play. So yeah. if they give them a game for 30 minutes, you know, and then down the stretch, Baylor wins. Yeah. Then I think that Illinois is feeling much better about the situation. I would agree. Yeah. A uh, common opponent play them. Yeah. I, I think I would have answered no to your question about would it be a good game if Purdue wasn't two and one against the likes of Ohio State? 
I and then you add in like we were just saying the trajectory with Baylor's COVID thing. I would say the answer is a strong maybe that that's a very good game. And yeah. Jaden Ivey's been coming on lately mm-hmm. for them. Um, he's a guy that next year, if you're looking for like a freshman to sophomore leap, Jaden Ivey has got to be up there for me. I think he turns the corner on the consistency. His jumper is the only thing standing in the way from him being like uh, a first team type player for uh, the Big Ten. So we'll see what ends up developing with him. But he's a guy that can get a little bit hot and maybe carry a team. Maybe yeah. not shooting wise, but with just some of his energy and his ability to get downhill. So yeah, interesting at least. Interesting enough. Yeah. So and a good test for Purdue in a, into a season where they're heading next year and maybe definitely in a better spot. So definitely. Um, and then obviously Purdue's uh, associate head coach was just hired by Penn State. I think that's a great hire. We won't spend too much time. Shrewsbury, on that, isn't that what his name is? Micah so. Shrewsbury. He was um, the uh, he was an assistant for Brad Stevens with the Celtics. Um, he's I don't know exactly how great he's he going to start from ground be. zero. They literally just like leveled that every that's, single player. Came so back. so the the players that actually gave public quotes, I want to say that might just be Seth Lundy. He said that there's a very strong chance he comes back, but he didn't yeah. want to handcuff himself without knowing. Right, so they're entering asking. into the portal and feeling out the new head coach is what they'll probably end up. Correct. I I would guess that like four out of the two guys come back, uh, four out of the six guys come back. I don't know which I think which it's guys. That many. I think Bro. that Micah's one of his strong suits is kind of the culture he's going to build and how he's going to connect okay. with guys. You think he's going to be able to just just put his arms around him and be like, "Listen, yes. guys, I know this is a completely new regime, but yeah. I saw what you did. I think we can do a little bit better. Let's Absolutely. give another shot." That's exactly. They were. I, I mean, they were close this year. Mm-hmm. They were in the top thirty in Ken Palm for a stretch. They didn't play enough games to maybe give us a larger sample size. Yeah, but that Michigan, Michigan, uh, Michigan State, Penn State game that came down to it both teams were kind of like bubbly at that point in the season. If Penn state had won that game, maybe it would have been a little bit different because they beat Maryland down the stretch, right? Mm-hmm. Like they just twice a couple of games to get over the hump. So, and then they lost to Michigan to kick off their big 10 schedule, by I want to say four points. Um, they lost to Ohio state the first time, if they played them twice, the first time they were leading the most of the second half and lost by four or five. So they're a team that's had a lot of trouble at the end of games, closing them out, but they've led or competed in a lot of these games that Michigan state ended up winning to get into the tournament against these delight. I don't think Illinois um, was a game that, that they were competitive in maybe or either Illinois or Iowa, one of those two, they weren't as competitive in, but they did very well against like the rest of the top four of the big 10. They just couldn't pull out the wins at the end. Um, But yeah, that, I don't think it'll be much of a distraction for Shrewsbury, but it's just, I guess it's another storyline I threw out there. If, if maybe he's kind of looking at that Penn state job a little more than he's looking at some of these offensive coordination uh, kind of set. I don't know, but that's, uh, that's another angle I threw in there with Purdue because Purdue kind of has that now. And people are wondering if Micah's even going to stay for all the games, if Penn, cause he's already over there posting videos in the Penn state gear talking about. <laughs> Was he really? Yup. He uh, changed his uh, bio to head coach of Penn state basketball headers, Penn Damn. State, talking to James Franklin, talking to the Penn state players. So that I, I can't think blame him for that. He's probably yeah. been waiting for this for a long time to get yeah, tapped. I definitely so. don't blame him either. Yeah, I just absolutely not. Yeah figure it's something worth bringing up though when when these details yeah. very important are in, in march madness but so we have baylor coming out of this bracket that leaves one more region left we'll go through this real quickly i guess um illinois or drexel <laughs> like illinois. we've been doing all night <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, so it's uh, 124 a.m. Eastern time here, um, <laughs> but uh, we will. I got 34. You said 24? You're 10 minutes behind. Oh, no, you're right. No, one, one, yeah. So late that can't even focus on the numbers on the screen. But um, uh, yeah, so Illinois Drexel, we both have Illinois, I'm assuming. Do you have Josh yes. Pastner's uh, Georgia Tech or do you have Porter Moser's Loyola Chicago? Ooh, man, I have Loyola Chicago, obviously. Top 10, 10 pound team. Can we just talk briefly for a moment that Illinois, like their their reward for winning the Big Ten tournament and showing maybe that they were the best team in the conference this year was getting bent over by the committee and having the worst path to possibly trying to get to an Elite Eight or Final Four. Yep. There's one fan base that has like a complete qualm after having spent such a long time away from just a bracket and a hope to make a decent run. It's got to be Illinois fans. Yeah. Chicago looks top 10 Ken Bond team. Or you see a Georgia Tech team that's been like red hot and has a pretty good amount of athletes in it, so at least a challenge. Uh, Tennessee and Oklahoma State in the next one. I've heard that Liberty is good enough to possibly beat Oklahoma State. They're yep. like a better team, so that's interesting. But if for some reason, um, you know, you get Oklahoma, Tennessee, where would you go with that one? Do you have an a, opinion on that? I have Cade Cunningham beating Tennessee. Yes. Um, I, Tennessee's been up and down all this year. Plus yep. that, that Derek guy on Twitter that was a Tennessee fan. I mean, hopefully their team loses before our team does so we can just shit <laughs> all over him for his take that we weren't going to make the tournament, which he was almost yep. right about. Yeah, he was almost Not right. 100%. Yeah, he was definitely right. Qu- he was question, like, question marks at point guard and things like that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> There was some seriously good points that were not yeah. properly evaluated by yeah. many speaking, people. Myself. Speaking of predictions on Twitter, I want to give a, a nod of the head to Big Sad for saying, uh, I want to say back in October that Ohio was going to scare some four seed in the first round. And here we are, uh, Ohio playing four seed Virginia. Virginia off that COVID uncertainty. And uh, I don't know if they end up beating Virginia, but that's a very specific prediction to make in October to now be uh, kind of looking at it as something that's realistic here, but. Big Sav with the shout out. Yep. That's pretty good. Um, but yeah, so, oh yeah. Like you were saying that Loyola Chicago seeding at eight, not only is unfair to Loyola Chicago, but it's also unfair to Illinois. I know Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander had a pretty lengthy segment of them unloading on the selection committee for that. Um, they what said did they not, say about that? I'm generally, I didn't get to listen to that yet. Yeah, so so basically uh, kind of the sentiment I said of not only are you screwing the team that was top 10 in Ken Palm, yeah. and you're kind of throwing away their entire accomplishment set, you're also screwing the one seed that – Oh, yeah, I right said away. that – I thought that they were screwing Illinois. I guess I didn't even really think about it from Loyola Chicago's yeah. standpoint. Yeah. It, it, it kind it, of fucked them too. Yeah, just it's both ways. It's just not ideal for either either of the two teams. Um, so that leaves, uh, we already said that we we're going to have, um, Tennessee, Oklahoma. Oklahoma state. Yep. So then you got, you said Oklahoma coming out of that. Do you have Illinois beating Oklahoma state? I do. Yes. I think Illinois is the second best team in the country. I think it goes Gonzaga, Illinois, Alabama for me. That's I would that's, maybe have Baylor as third there, but I don't mm-hmm. disagree. I, I would Illinois have, really turned it on at the end of the season yeah. and the largest question mark I had with them was some of their size of the perimeter. Jacob Grandison kind of filled in some of that power forward spot and mm-hmm. position that they needed. Yeah. And uh, when you got that type of lead guard in March with like a mini shack in the paint, it's probably yeah. a pretty good combination. Yeah. And, th- 
Yeah, if this was like before the COVID break, Baylor, I know I keep bringing that part up and holding it against them, yeah. but like then Baylor and Gonzaga are just a tier above everybody else for me if if that was still the Baylor we were looking at. But yeah, I, right now Baylor's kind of taking a slight backseat. What if me. Baylor comes out and wins like the first two games? They see Hartford, whatever, they smash them by 20 plus. They see North Carolina and they beat them by like 15 plus. If they come out of the gates in the first weekend and really like show out, would your opinion change? Yeah, I would say they would be back. If if okay. like they are, I would say if they if they're winning that second game against uh, North Carolina or Wisconsin by eighteen yeah. or more, I like in the I, teens. Yeah, I would have. Game. I would be very confident to put them straight into the national title game against Gonzaga if they're winning that second game by about eighteen ish. Okay, that's fair. Um, so they uh okay so that brings us to uh the i guess let's go to syracuse uh san diego state um i'm having syracuse win this game not just because or sorry san diego state winning this game not just because they're the better team but also because i have um internal outrage against syracuse at the moment so those are my two reasons for why I'm having uh, San Diego State win this game. Not only are they more deserving, but I will not be putting Syracuse in the second round of my bracket. <laughs> I like the spite pick. I will side with you and say, fuck them, and uh, we'll take San Diego State. All right. So then we have uh, West Virginia, Moorhead State. I have West Virginia. I'm assuming you do as well. Yes, and then I have Rutgers over Clemson. That's a 10 versus a 7. I have the 10 winning. Who do you have in that 10 versus 7? I don't know what to make of Rutgers this year. I thought that Ron Harper obviously started fantastically and then towards the end of the season, just even midway through, mm-hmm. all his shooting dropped off. He, like, disappeared like a pumpkin. Um <laughs> I saw Clemson play Purdue early in the season. I thought they looked pretty good, decently athletic. I think that this one's going to be pretty close. It's basically a pick on – I'll lean Big Ten on this one, but it wouldn't surprise me if Clemson beat Rutgers. Yeah, this is one of those, like, battle-tested kind of things. Um, like we were saying, they – Got to root for the conference. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Plus, uh, I'm going to give the nod to Geo Baker's Rutgers Scarlet Knights because he was dunking on uh, Rothstein for him saying the guy shouldn't complain about the food. So I'm going to go ahead. And I give... like that one. Good. I retweeted that out. It's yeah. like, well, they're making $900 million. So yeah. Complain about our runny omelets. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. Rothstein has just a weird vibe sometimes. I think he's generally really good at his job. But yeah. like, comments like that, like, yeah, I don't know. I, I find myself yelling, this is March, like with, in the most random like occurrences of college basketball games. But then he has these kind of takes of like pro amateur. I told my wife today, I'm like, we sleep in May. Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I should have been using uh, like Will Wade, American Gangster, and all of his catchphrases uh, along the way of this bracket show. But I guess I missed that chance. But yeah, that that's uh yeah, Rothstein's a polarizing, polarizing topic, it seems like these days. Um so we have Rutgers and Houston at the bottom of that bracket. I have Houston winning, I'm assuming you do as well. Yeah, Houston wins the next one too. Yep. Um and we can get a West Virginia Houston matchup. I'm excited if that happens. Yeah, I also have Houston winning that one. Um I was split between that, but I would I leaned Houston in my bracket. Yeah. I, I haven't watched them a ton and they didn't play a ton of good competition this year, but I want to, I'll never forgive Kelvin Sampson for not putting somebody on the ball 
in the waning seconds of that Michigan game. So Poole hit that shot. Yep. They didn't put anybody at the ball. I didn't understand that at all. Yeah. Yeah. I, it did intrigue me that they only allowed 57 points per game, but like you said, not really the greatest competition, but I, I kind of want to see what that looks like um, against like a big 12 West Virginia kind of team. We'll see what happens there, but I think I feel good about that Houston pick. So we are in the Sweet 16 there. I'm assuming we both have Illinois beating Cade Cunningham at Oklahoma State. Um, yeah, despite the tough break, I have them coming out of the Midwest. Yep, as do I. So that sets up the final four for me of Gonzaga, Alabama, Baylor, Illinois. Do you have the same final four or did we differ? There? I actually do. The bracket that I chose was that in both of them. Yes. Okay. Um, it's a lot of chalk. We said three ones and a two. That's correct. Probably yeah. not going to happen, but yes, it's, it's really hard to, to pick against it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the issue. It's supposed to have two ones, a two and a three, but I could not see myself going ahead and enforcing that into the, the only here. thing that would happen in my opinion is Texas somehow comes out of mm-hmm. East if that was to happen. Yep. I um, believe that's exactly. I don't what, really see that in any other side. Yeah. I believe that's actually exactly what John Rothstein has happening in his bracket. Um, so yeah. So that gives us, I believe Gonzaga and Illinois in the national title game, or do you have Gonzaga and Baylor? I have a combination of two. I did two brackets and I Mm -hmm. split it. I did Gonzaga winning it in both of my brackets. I had Illinois in one and Baylor, I think, in the other. Okay. I I mean, that's the game we all want to see. We've been waiting all Mm -hmm. year to see it. Yep, that's true. I would be – Part of me hopes we get it, and if Illinois gets the title game, we're never going to hear the end of it on Twitter from all their fans. Like That's true. That's, I kind of like that we still are the Big Ten team that ha- holds the last one. I want us to be the one that breaks it again. You know, I love I love this Illinois team. I really do. I like a lot of parts of it. I just if they win the whole thing, good for them, good for the conference. But I just would prefer it to be Michigan State. Yeah, and then the other thing, um, uh, kind of to mention that Michigan State being the last one to win it and Michigan State breaking that slump, uh, there have been two previous occurrences that Appalachian state has made the NCAA tournament 1979 and 2000 Michigan state won both of the national titles in each of those years. So it's basically a lock that Michigan state's winning the national title this year. Additionally, if that doesn't sell you, it was a 21 year gap between the first two titles and it's been 21 years since the second title. So that's two different reasons why Michigan state will be the national champion this year. If not, if that doesn't convince you, then I guess you could follow either our brackets of having Gonzaga win that title or go ahead and do whatever you want, as I'm sure that might do better than what we said here today anyway. But thanks for joining us. Uh, do you have anything else, David? Do you want to let people know? I don't think so. Or is, if anyone's listening still at the end of this one, we thank <laughs> you for your patience. I thought we had some fun, but... Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, but yeah, you guys can follow David on Twitter. You want to drop uh, your app for them? Yeah, it's just a Spartan hoops underscore DK. Find me on there. See the website. Check it out. Yeah, definitely. Um, they do great work over there at SpartanHoops.com. So make sure you guys check that out. 
And then, um, as you guys know, I'm over there at 24-7 Sports' MSU site. Definitely check that out. Uh, get a VIP subscription if you haven't already. We're doing a lot of recruiting work um, covering MSU football, but also um, basketball recruiting should heat up here soon. Uh, transfer we didn't talk about it, but there's going to be some, obviously, attrition and Seems transfer talk in our Seems vocabulary this offseason, and I think might, it's going to be a good thing. Might have to have another podcast on that later in the offseason as more names start to emerge. But um, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and thanks a lot for being here today, DK. All right, thank you, man. Have a good night. Yeah, you too. Appreciate it.